It's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. There's a voice. Keeps on calling me chaos. Down the road. I'll always be. <laughs> oh my God. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow. I want to settle down. Maybe I'll keep Until moving on. tomorrow. Keep the chaos moving on. Din it, din it, din it, din it. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ring RC. I'm Misa Kwanga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am okay, thanks, Misa. How are you doing? I am very, very well. well I saw you yesterday, so I know you're fine. That's true, actually. Yeah. I saw yeah. what you consumed. Did consume quite a lot. Not as much as me, though. When I pulled the cookie out of my pocket. Yes. You had two treats. I had the white chocolate croissant with the meringue. Yeah, it is. It's very good. First time seeing each other in ages. Yes, but also didn't. Goodness. Yeah, it feels I've, like I've, I can't get rid of you. That's true. <laughs> oh, you can't get rid of me. Wow, that's true. That's the energy. Um, Shout out to the great Jennifer Neal, we also saw yesterday. Yes. back from the world-leading McDowell Fellowship. Yeah. On the top writers. Her, yeah. She'll hate that. Top but, uh, writers, she got a shout. Out. She hates the shout yeah. out. One of the top writers of her generation, but still, sorry, Jen. There it is. Anyway, yeah. Club football in Europe, almost, it's almost done. It's almost done. It's almost done. We're, yeah. nearly, we're nearly home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got some more... Games next weekend, Fran Bundesliga finale. Yeah. Some other bits and bobs, I think, this week. But big weekend for football, which we're going to talk about. First of all, hope everyone's doing okay. Staying safe and well. Staying safe and well. Staying entertained. Staying highly vaxxed. Indeed. Chat shit, get vaxxed. <laughs> that is a great... That's actually an amazing t-shirt. I, just, I think we should do like a new load of Stadio t-shirts that are just like, inject it. <laughs> Inject it, inject it. Uh, and we'll donate all the money to like a vaccine rollout. Thing. Yeah. The UNICEF thing. 
Yeah, Provax podcast. Oh, strictly Provax. Yeah. Provax, taking to the max. Oh, look at, look at the bars. You might be able to get protected against COVID. Or your takes, for that fact. Yeah, my takes. takes aren't the one. Your takes the one. Listen, don't start this off on a negative because we will fall out. I'm sick of this. <laughs> uh, he's the most chaotic one on the podcast, right? No, actually. You want to see chaos? Sack me. And then you'll see chaos. <laughs> <laughs> Quick bit of admin, the ringer.com forward slash soccer. All of our end of season reviews for the top five men's leagues in Europe are up on the ringer site. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Musa did Premier League, Liga, Serie A. I did the Bundesliga and La Liga. And they are up on the ringer now. So check them if you haven't checked them already. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify if you want to listen to all the music we play out with each episode. It's all in one handy playlist. Newest one's at the top. So you can just keep up to date, follow the playlist. Search for Stadio Outro's on Spotify. If you do listen to us on a podcast app that allows you to rate and review, please do so. Be very kind of you. And any other admin? That is all the admin. Is it though? It is. It is all the admin. Is it all the admin? Technically, there's always more admin because life is just admin. Oh, you and me on Writer's House this week? Yes. Yes. You look very confused. I did ask you. I feel very confused. I did ask you and you did say yes. That is a verbal agreement. They're not binding, actually, without consideration. Well, I mean, are any of your agreements binding? I mean, probably the least well, reliable person I know. Oh my, oh my God. <laughs> Possibly the least reliable person I know. Oh my God. Planet, <laughs> devastating. Wow, no, devastating. Moving on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> hey, until tomorrow, I'll just keep moving on. Do you know, it's so funny, the veil slipped there. Everyone had to peek behind the curtain. No, 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 this is very reliable. <laughs> this is the beauty of this podcast in berlin because you never meet anyone that the, listens to the podcast the thing is, this is this is letting people behind the curtain and i know that i'm throwing you under the bus a little bit here but fuck it <laughs> it's the end of the season i do what i want no comes out <laughs> it's like one of those reality shows reunions <laughs> so, like, so ryan what was it actually like working with me soon it was just like <sighs> It's like True Detective, isn't it? It's like True Detective. Yeah, there's like me with the ponytail, just being like. <laughs> um, anyway, when you've asked me to do something and he's forgotten, yeah, you know when you say, "All right, we've got that thing on Thursday," and he just goes, hesitate, hesitate, it's a stop, and then it's ah, uh, that's literally the word. That's what that happens. Thing, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, there you go. That's when you know Moose has been caught out. If you ask him, oh yeah, we've got that thing tomorrow. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course, that uh, thing. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, you had some stuff in German papers over the weekend, but I suppose they've already gone and people who aren't in Germany can't get them. Also, it's very hard to get a paper on a Sunday in Germany. It's hard to get anything on a Sunday closed. in Germany. Yes, apart exactly, from, everything's closed. Apart from an ice cream. Yeah, they love ice cream here. So I had to go and I had to go all the way to one of the main train stations on the bookshops that was open and get it from there. Otherwise, it was a nightmare getting it. Yeah, Musa. How many papers were you in this weekend? It was two. Tagesspiegel and the Frankfurter Allgemeine Sonntagszeitung, which is like their sort of like one of their sort of Sunday Times type things. There was a shout for Stadia, by the way, I'll have you know. Oh God, was there? Yeah, there was. Nice. So there we go. See, marketing, strategic marketing. Well, congrats, man. Thanks very much. All right, okay, that's it for the admin and the chit chat. Today we're gonna do a quick roundup first before we get into the Champions League final, which will be our main focus today. But um, there was some other football this weekend and there was some pivotal football this weekend 
Yes, so we'll jump into that in a sec. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Should we start in Germany and keep it brief? Because Yeah, let's uh, Germany. Yeah, Germany, Germany. Uh, it was German Cup final day. It was. Wolfsburg were going for their seventh straight. And they got it. And they got it just but, about, just about. God, it was hard work though. They're playing Eintracht Frankfurt, who pushed them pretty hard in the league. Um, and they emerged victors 1-0. They scored two minutes in the end of extra time. A goal from Ava Payor, who's had a real journey this year because she's mm. had injuries. Wolfsburg by then were down to 10 because they had a sending off. The first period of extra time. Yeah, keeper Almut Schultz got sent off for. She was quite unlucky, but it was, I think it was it was fair. But she um, it was the, right. It was the right. It was not malicious, but it was out of control. Wasn't yeah, it? outside the box, kind of misjudged the bounce. Ended up basically just taking out. I can't remember who actually it was that she took out. They broke at speed really well. Eintracht actually. Yeah, I mean, well, Eintracht were going for their first trophy since their since being absorbed by Eintracht. Obviously, yeah. before that, they were FFC Frankfurt. And they've really, really pushed Wolfsburg. And I think this would have been the first year that Wolfsburg hadn't won a trophy for a long, long time, like approaching a decade. And they were made to work hard for it. Obviously, without uh, Alex Pop, who's been out for the season, had surgery on a knee. I mean, they still aren't out of the Frauen Bundesliga. That wraps up next weekend. To scrape through ahead of that final match day, massive, massive boost. And I think overall they deserved it. I think they had a few chances. Eva Payor had a few chances in the first half, which I'm not saying that she should have scored, but a player of her quality, I think you would expect to at least test the goalkeeper. And I think a couple of times she yeah. kind of dragged wide. But overall, I think uh, I think the result was a fair one. Um, I think so. Wolves had the balance of play. England was great in midfield. Mm. They built really well. And they applied a lot of pressure. I mean, Eintracht's chances came mostly on the break just because Wolfsburg were playing so high and had so much pressure. And it was a fair result, I think. Yeah. On the balance, yeah. Shouts to Jasmine Schreimler. I think she had a piece either go up or is going up about the final. Um, so go and check Jazz's stuff because she covers Wolfsburg Frauen in great detail. It wasn't the only cup final this weekend. It was not. In Spain, Barcelona completed their treble by winning the Copa del Arena. Four goals to two against Levante. This was a really good game, actually, because there was some... Um, Levante brought the smoke as well. I got a hand. Well, they me. did, because they were 3-0 down, thanks to goals from Marta, Alexia Patelis, and Patricia Guerrero opened the scoring really early on. The thing I really liked about Barcelona this time, a couple of really important set-piece goals. None of the kind of massively free-flowing stuff that we saw against Chelsea a few weeks ago, or in the, um, when they wrapped up the league. It's interesting, because they, they actually got troubled by set-pieces a bit against PSG, funnily enough. Mm. So it's always funny when you see a team that struggled from set pieces, then exploit that. Yeah, but they were, they were really impressed. They've got different pieces. It's funny how Levante are just like a troublesome team, a troublesome club, isn't it? They have been. In a good way. If there was a troublemaker award, yeah, in the best possible way, if there was a troublemaker award in oh, Spain, it would hun- Levante. Yeah, yeah. Men, men and women's this season, they've caused some problems. Yeah, for sure. They've caused a lot of trouble. They had a chance really late. I think it was in stoppage time at the end of the first half. And if, if they brought that back to 3-1 then, that would have been really interesting going into the second half because they didn't score until about the hour mark. 
Yeah. And then got a second a few, uh, few minutes later. They didn't get to enjoy the 3-2, did they? They didn't, they, they conceded too fast. Yeah. I mean, it was like six minutes after that, that Patelis got a second and then that was kind of it. You could see the frustration of the Levante players because they were like, we worked so hard to get back to this point to have a sniff of it. And the defensive error was like, I wouldn't say it was a loss of concentration. I think it was more an anxiety actually, mm. because they really struggled to clear their lines, allowing Patelison. Um, and she frankly is not a player you need to give any kind of invitation, is she? No. First treble for Barcelona on the women's side, capping off an unbelievable year. They've kept their foot on the gas throughout. That's the thing that's impressive about this. That would be the biggest game of Levante season. And Barca turned up and were 3-0 up in half an hour. Mm-hmm. And that would be a game Levante had been prepping for, for time, knowing what's coming. Really impressive that Barca managed to maintain that intensity. Yeah, I mean, super impressive. And they're, they're, they've still got six games to go in the league. They're still yeah. going for the 100% record, so they still have something to play for. Yeah, the perfect season, yeah. Yeah, there's three, uh, the rest of the, most of the, most of the sides in the Primera have three league games left. Um, Barca have got a bit of a backlog to make up. But yeah, another trophy for Barca before we move over to the men's stuff. Yeah. The big game in France ended nil-nil ahead of the penult- ahead of the final match day. Lyon and PSG drawing nil-nil on Sunday means there's still a point gap at the top of the league. PSG top, Lyon a point behind going into the final match day. That's a fascinating power shift, isn't it? Isn't it fascinating that? Seeing PSG Finding, like asserting themselves, finding themselves is really fascinating. I mean, it's very much like the Bayern-Wolfsburg dynamic in the profound Bundesliga. Exactly, exactly. And I, I, I like that in a title race. It was kind of like, um, I'm not sure if we said it on the podcast or if I mentioned it in the La, La Liga piece, but when Barcelona and Real Madrid would lose a game going into the, if any, get, if any points dropped within the last 10, in the final games of the season, you'd be like, that hands the title to the other one. Right. It's that tight. And um, props to both who have, maintained that level throughout the cool thing that they've done for the final match day is they've put Leon's game and PSG's game same time Friday night ahead of the rest of the fixtures so they'll play at the same time 7.45 UK time 8.45 German time that's what 2.45 PM Eastern time if anyone's looking for some Friday football check that out because that will be I imagine very, very good. Grand showpiece. Couple of quick promotion roundups. So Brentford made into the Premier League. Looking great as well. Very pleased to see Brentford in the Premier League. First time since 1947. In is the that how division. long it is? I ages. know it was a while, but... Um, so they'll join Norwich and Watford in the Premier League next year. Uh, Blackpool made it to the Championship. Uh, and in Germany, poor Holstein Kiel, man. They got absolutely hammered by Cologne on the weekend and just looked knackered. There was a really sad interview I saw actually was uh, Finn Bartels at the end of the game on DAZN who just talked about the exhaustion like he played like eight games in 24 days or something. Yeah I mean they had two, um, two, two, two in context Holstein Kiel had two corona quarantines one in, yeah. one in March one in April and then basically were playing every three days since apart from the final the gap between the penultimate and final Zweite Bundesliga games. Yeah. The fact that they were even really in for a shout is unbelievable because, I mean, the amount of football they had to play in such a condensed time. There was also a cup semi-final in there against Dortmund, remember, as well. Yeah, And it was funny because Kiel were actually in a shout. Kiel, there was a thing that actually Finn Bartle said and he said it was about the, because um, Kiel actually go ahead in the, they go ahead in the tie and aggregate 
but what happened was that they, they conceded very fast straight after scoring their goal. And he said, we just failed to control the tempo. We didn't mm. take the tempo out. Mm. Um, which I, he wasn't being harsh on himself. He was more like, we wanted it so much. Um, and they put so much passion to it. But the, the problem is, of course, that Cologne had the firepower. And I think I said this to you the other day, my, my one slight issue with the playoffs, and I said this before, is that it does incentivize, it, do, it does give clubs from the upper league a get out card. Yeah, I mean, they Jonathan probably, Harding tweeted haven't pretty much the very same thing on, on Saturday where it was just like, it gives, it rewards teams in the Bundesliga who have had a poor season with a, with literally like a get out of jail free card. And I mean, I understand that the need for there to be like a showpiece fixture, but I think that it would be quite fun to just see three teams coming up every season. I think it would actually be quite good for the league in terms of yeah, I agree. gradual I agree. Um, revenue distribution. But I do like the playoff thing for that. So I wonder whether they could change it to so that the third and fourth place in the Zweiter Bundesliga plays off in a two leg to go up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be quite fun because I think that yeah, there have been, I think only three of the last 13 have been won by the Zweiter. So Köln will stay in the division. The cool thing about that though, it also means that we see, we get to see Stefan Baumgart next season. Yeah, that's true. Who's taking over as manager of Köln. Any other playoffs? There was Segunda, final day of the Segunda. Oh, we did, we haven't mentioned since we last recorded. Venezia. Venezia, Venezia being yeah. promoted to Serie A. Unbelievable. Uh, they will have the prettiest kits in Serie A next season. They'll have the prettiest celebration as well. Did you see? Oh, yes. The boat. Yeah. <laughs> they did their parade through the canals. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. And they won in the final minute. They went up in the final minute, didn't final they? Final minute. They were down to nine men. I tweeted about it because I was watching the game. Mm. Someone told me to have a day off. <laughs> yeah. Take a day off, man. It was, it was good though, man. It was really good. And uh, yeah, final minute, down to nine men. Absolute scenes. Very pretty stadium as well by the water. And um, yeah, man, I'm really, I'm really hyped to see them in the, in Serie A next season. That's really lovely. Yeah. Um, we've got one more game to cover, which we will do, but since after we recorded on Thursday, Max Allegri has gone back to Juve. There was also Zidane's letter. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's extraordinary. I don't know if anyone's read it. People would have read it by now, right? I don't think so, actually, because it's quite, it came out just um, over the last, uh, last few hours. All right, well, I'll read this open letter to Zidane, uh, from Zidane. I left, but I never jumped off the boat. And never tired of training. In May 2018, I left because after two and a half years of victories and so many titles, I felt the team needed a new voice to stay on top. But things today are different. I'm leaving because I feel the club is no longer giving me the confidence I need. The club did not support me to build a project in the medium or long term. I know football and I know the requirements of a team like Real Madrid. And I know that when you don't win, you have to leave. But here, one very important thing has been forgotten. Everything I achieved has been forgotten. I've built relationships on a daily basis with the players and with 150 people working with and around the team. I was born to be a winner and I was here to win titles. But there are human beings, emotions and lives and I have a feeling that these things have not been taken care of. So that somehow I was blamed. I just wanted to respect what we achieved together. I would have liked my relationship with the club and the president in recent months to be a little different. A coach's career today at any big club is two seasons, not much longer. And in order to last longer, human relations are necessary. They are more important than money and more important than fame and most important of all, 
you have to take care of them. That's why I suffered so much when I read in the press that I was at risk of being dismissed when de defeats come. This news that I will be dismissed if I lose an upcoming match offended me and the whole team because these messages were deliberately leaked to the media, created a negative atmosphere with the staff and raised doubts and misunderstandings. It's good to have some great boys who were here with me to the death. When things got worse, they saved me with great victories because they believed in me and knew I believed in them. Of course, I'm not the best coach in the world, but I'm able to give everyone the strength and confidence that everyone needs. I know exactly what the team needs. For 20 years in Madrid, I've learned that the fans want to win and of course we want to, but above all, you want us to offer everything from the coach, the staff, and of course the players. I also want to send a message to journalists. I have hundreds of press conferences and unfortunately we talked very little about football. I know you love football as well and this sport unites us, but I did not want all of your questions to always be controversial. I do not object to criticism, but you should have investigated accuracy and not forgotten football and players. Dear Madridista, I have felt your love since the day I set foot in Madrid. I have spent 20 years here. Real Madrid is the most beautiful thing that has happened to me in my life and I owe it to Florentino Perez who bet on me in 2001 and fought for me to sign. Dear Madridista, this letter was to say goodbye and explain the reasons for my departure. I will always be one of you. Hala Madrid. Wow. It's incredible, isn't it? Wow. It's incredible. It's wow. absolutely incredible. It's like, it's one of the best addresses from a coach. It's on the same level of like Al Pacino any given Sunday. When you listen to that letter, you know, it's weird. Can I say this? I never fully got Sudan at Madrid, as in I knew that he was brilliant. I knew what he was doing was brilliant there. It was working but I never got it until I read that letter. Mm. And I was like, this is why people run through brick walls for this man. Mm -hmm. The humility, the, the dignity, the power, the authority, all of that is just unbelievable. That letter, that letter is unbelievable. It's one of the most impressive things I've seen from a kind of, from a sporting coach. Mm. That of course I'm not the greatest coach in the world, is there? Th that is up there with like a, in terms of a Popovich style address, mm. See that scene when he's in the dressing room. I've talked about this many times, the Juve, the halftime against Juve in the Champions League final, 2017. Yeah, and he's just quiet. And there's, a, and there's a shirt on the Madrid logo and he clears it away with his foot and he lets everyone just wait and talk. Mm. And he's quiet and he goes, Marcelo, push up here. And it's just like, it's, it's under control. Amazing. This is why he'd, I think he'd make a superb international manager yep. in the right conditions. Yep, I agree. And the Juve gigs off the table, obviously, because of Allegri, so... Yeah. You knew there were people in the Allegri's camp moving quick. You know they were moving quick when they saw Saddam was leaving. I'm not wild about Allegri back to Juve, by the way, but we Me can neither. discuss that Me another neither. time. Anyway, before we take a break and move on to the Champions League final, Cruz Azul, the curse is over. It's over. 23 years. They won Liga MX. Yes, yes, yes. And they did it in with a goal that... Oh, it very nearly could have been pulled back because the player that well, it wasn't um, Jonathan Rodriguez. I think it was was it Santi who was always who was also running up with him. He was ahead of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that looked. I mean, to be honest with you, Ryan, it looked. It did look offside. I've got to say, I'm not trying to be you know disrespectful. Well, Rodriguez it wasn't. It was the other player who was with him, and he looked right, like he kind of distracted the. It was. It was the I, defender. I mean, if he it, looked like he distracted yeah, the defender. If it yes. had been blown for offside, I don't think anyone could have had many complaints. When I saw it, I was like, I've seen them given. Put it that way. But this was huge for them. And the special shout out to Jose de Jesus Corona, the goalkeeper, who's 40, 
who played in his first League Games final in 2005, and this is his fifth final, had never won. Mm-hmm. He'd lost three with Cruz Azul, two to, I think, America, and had been through it, had been through it in a very profound way. Mm. Now, I was very lucky, as I told you before we started recording, Ryan, I woke up with about 50 minutes to go of this game. Wild. So I woke up at like 5 a.m., complete, completely, I woke up at 5 a.m. So I don't weird. wear sleep patterns. Yeah, I know, I'm notorious for it. I don't know what you are. What are you? You're like a. I don't, I don't even ask. Don't delve too deep. So I woke up at like just before 5 a.m. And the first I did was put on the game. And thank goodness. I mean, it's a real privilege to witness a 23-year journey end in real time. It was beautiful. And of course, six minutes of added time because of course, you know, this, this club can never, go, can never go quietly. The curse never goes quietly. And a massive brawl breaks out. <laughs> and it's funny because the commentators know it was, yeah. Com- who was yeah. it? Someone kicked a ball at someone and then... And the coach got involved. The coach sort of got involved as well. The Cruiser's coach started like having a bit of chat. The ball got um, kicked at Doria. I know that. The weird thing about this brawl was, I'm not going to lie to you, Ryan, I've never seen a brawl where so many players had one-to-one feuds. Mm. Normally it's like a feud. It's like, okay, everyone's crowded around one person. But this one was like, the ref was almost like, who am I going to book? I could, li- I could technically book everyone. But the way he handles it is brilliant. He books two people, fist bumps the second one. So he, he, wild. Yeah. Books two people, books the guy that's, books the Cruzazul guy, books the um, Santos Laguna guy who responded, fist bumps him, doesn't extend play by any more than 30 seconds, then blows up. Oh. Perfect. No hassle, no fuss, brilliant. And huge, huge, huge for Cruz because that's 23 years, but they play the opening and closing tournament. So actually it's like, that's more than 23 titles that have been available. Mm. Um, and they hadn't qualified for the later stage for years either for the latter, for knockout stages. Well, they did it the year before, but before that they hadn't qualified for the late stages for like quite a while. So they, they've really been through it. Um, and I know that we've got, we've got a few Cruises All fans that listen to this podcast. So I hope you're enjoying yourselves, celebrating responsibly, of course, uh, for the next few days. But yeah, congratulations team. Liga awesome. MX finals are always mega fun. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm gutted about that. I, mean, I can't lie to you. I'm gutted about the time zone with those because the quality of the football whenever we tune in is, is something else. Uh, it's on, it's on my bucket list that when Corona's, yeah. well, when hopefully this pandemic is all done, go to a Liga mm. MX final. So actually, the guy's going out. Florian Tovan's going to Tigres from Marseille, which is yeah, man. interesting. Yeah, Going to link up with his boy. Who's he going to play with? Andre Pierre Gignac. Oh. Who has played more games with Tigres than any other club in his career. Gignac's basically scored goals everywhere, hasn't he? He's got 128 in 222 games with Tigres. Oh my goodness. That man's never failed. He's never failed to be on target. They need to sign Clement Grenier and just get the fucking, the whole band. <laughs> <back> to, <laughs> oh my God, Clement Grenier. Oh, that's a, oh the that's perennial a, transfer rumour. My God. Handsome man though. Mm. They're all bloody handsome. They're all handsome. Um, congrats to Cruz Azul. Great result. It's amazing. Uh, let's take a break and then we'll do Champions League. Right, Musok Wonga. Chelsea European champions. Yes, Chelsea won, Manchester City nil. Golds for half time by Kai Havertz. What a game. What a game. This was my favourite men's Champions League final since 2015. Barcelona Juventus in Berlin. Don't mention that Dani Alves pass, please. No, I'm not going to. Which, which one? Thank you. I've, mem- I've memory hold it. I've memory hold it. Good. I'm not talking about it. Thanks. It's gone. It's gone. This was a superb final by two outstanding tactical, tactical coaches, brilliant minds. 
and you saw them jousting. And it's almost like the joust began with that first game they faced each other, um, the FA Cup semi-final, and then the changes to the Premier League. And you could just see they were figuring each other out and trying to plot. And obviously like the big, the big story here, I suppose, the first big story was Pep Guardiola's decision to use neither Rodri nor Fernandinho in the starting lineup. And a really attacking, no, a really, a really attacking, a beautifully attacking team. When I saw it, I was like, this is exciting. City are going for the high tempo. And to Chelsea's credit, they responded beautifully. You, you could see, it's not often in, well, at this level, you see teams thinking a lot. You also see them adjusting. And the reason Chelsea won in the end wasn't because of a deficiency by City. I think it's because Chelsea were just superbly coached and kept figuring out. Actually, no, I, I want to get into this because you wrote, you wrote a great thread about this. Yeah, but I want to start with Chelsea, to be honest. I don't want to focus on the Man City selection because I think that it was... I well, I was okay. Yeah. Chelsea won the game. Man City didn't lose the game. And I think the reason that Chelsea won the game, I think, was because... What I think has been so impressive with Chelsea since Tuchel took charge is that he's looked at what he's got there and he's like, I need to maximise this squad before I start worrying about anything else. Yeah. I don't think Tuchel really wants to play a back three, but he's looked at what he has. Because what did we say numerous times at the beginning of the season? We were like, Chelsea's defence is the thing that worries us. And what Tuchel's done really well, he's, he's got them so hard to beat. And this is the thing I wrote in the thread. Chilwell and, and James do so much work. It's incredible. Because Man City really need to work the ball into those passing lanes, right? They need to work the ball wide, drive to the line to, to create the chance that we know is the Man City goal. And I, I think it was Jasmine Baba posted a pass map of like comparisons between Pep's Barca side the, and this Man City side. And everything's the same apart from the final completion point, basically, at the wow, apex okay. of the attack. And as opposed to Javi, Iniesta and Messi having the ball all the way or having the most passes in this, the, the, the highest volume, I think, went through like Shin, uh, Zinchenko and maybe Walker. Because Chilwell and James shut down the flank so much. I mean, Sterling got past James in, what, the opening five minutes? And got, yeah, I, I think, and got, there, I were, think there, there were two were occasions twice. in the first half, yeah. two occasions, but that was and it. That was kind of it. And Mares, Mares, and Walker were routinely 15 yards apart and couldn't get penetration. As soon as that happened, when you have Kante in front as well for protection, if anything breaks through, like Rudiger and, and, and Thiago Silva and Aspilicueta just kind of dealt with it. And then when Thiago Silva went off, Christensen just kind of dealt with it. There were like three like three doors they had to go through that's, to get into yeah, it. That's yeah, that's it. It was very much like stages of defence, you know what I mean? Like Or lines of defence, sorry. Whereas if com you contrast that to what happened when Chelsea attacked and Diaz and Stones just were not having a great time early on. You know, on, it's, like, really it's really poignant how the goal came through the gap that Fernandinho would have filled. It's really poignant, actually, if you think about the kind of the small margins. But what I mean, let's, let's talk about like the City selection then but I, I don't want to focus on Pep because I think that I think in this thread for example I said that actually I think reflecting on it I don't think he overthought it no I just don't I think he didn't over, overthink it enough because it wasn't necessarily the lack of a holding midfielder in there that created the problem for me it was the fact that it meant that Gundogan had to play way deeper and Gundogan has been at his best this season I think when he's been 
liberated a little bit, if you like, from yeah. from defensive or holding duties mm. by a Rodri or a Fernandinho to then push higher up the pitch. And I think I think it dragged problem. everyone back five, ten yards, and then it meant you couldn't get like Mares. It's pointed that Mares's best chance came in the final seconds. He put it over the bar. Mares is probably the best in the entire field in one-on-one situations and almost never got to isolate his man in a one-on-one. City had a real problem in getting their best players on the ball in the areas where they have done the most damage this year. Like the exclusion of Rodrigo Fernandinho for the game, I think can be easily explained with, well, they played in the two games that City lost. But I actually think City were probably the better side in the last, in the league game that they, when Chelsea beat them. Yeah. So I wouldn't have panicked too much in that sense. The removal of one of them meant that Gundogan had to play in this certain position, which meant that there were too many people kind of too central. Like I was looking at it thinking like, how are Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne and Foden in this space? And it didn't really seem to work for me. Like I would have actually preferred... Um, the reason why I would have preferred someone like Fernandinho or Rodri in there is to push Gundogan higher up in a central position and play Foden wide. Like I would have played Foden instead of Sterling. I agree. Well, and, and, and Foden was devastating high up as a playmaker because what he gives you high up is all the passing combinations that mm. City just didn't have. Mm. I can't name a really good passing sequence that they did in the final third. No. Like apart, apart, apart from one occasion, I think one occasion where they had, well, and this, this is also a problem. They didn't have enough players crashing the box because they weren't building the play well in the final third. It meant they didn't have enough um, patience in that area or time in that area to make the moves and the cuts that they can make because we know they can make them even without nine. That Gundogan's been doing it all year. De Bruyne. Yeah, I think I think Foden was a bit shortchanged to get put in midfield actually. And the other thing as well with De Bruyne, which has to be noted, I think, is I haven't seen De Bruyne that pushed off his rhythm since mm. they played Leeds. Yeah, no, he did struggle. And that was Cant- De Bruyne specifically in possession. I joke at the time that he got pickpocketed by um, Leeds defender. This was the same thing with Kante. Kante absolutely had the measure of his stride pattern. Mm. There's a couple of times he dispossessed him when De Bruyne was like building up ahead of steam. Mm. Yeah, he didn't look, I mean, obviously he went off with that. That was really nasty, the Rudiger thing. Mm. Who was, who was then uh, had a, a, a supporting role in the moment of the season when uh, referee Matteo Leos <laughs> God, you loved this. Pulled him up with his right hand, booked him with his left. Seamless. Matteo Leos looked very emotional, didn't he, at the final? Because he had a great game as a referee. I think he, he, referee well, this is the, he is a good referee. He's yeah. a good referee who has one catastrophic curveball moment in him in a game. And mm. everyone, like Barca fans hate him, Real Madrid, Real Madrid fans hate him. Cause I thought he refereed beautifully though. I thought he did the, it really yeah, well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he looked very emotional because I think he's quitting after the Euros. Mm. Um, and he was like, visibly, he was like overwhelmed. And I, you know, it's funny about that. You see like, oh my God, he, it matters so much. And we forget sometimes like referees. They care, man. The best, but they care about crafting a spectacle. They care about letting a game be a good game. And sometimes that involves them giving a big card, but you know, but the, it comes from a place of like, it comes from a place of care, which is strange to say. I mean, it's going it to be meme to shit. <laughs> it was just amazing. It was just an amazing, like I, the fact that he was waiting there for Rudiger to be ready and he wanted to pull him up to do it. It was like, he'd had it pre-planned. He'd had it totally mm. pre-planned, but we're talking about De Bruyne. Well, yeah, De Bruyne. I mean, but on, so on, on De Bruyne, De Bruyne never got into his rhythm. And I think there was a frustration with City. You saw it because they started fairly well, actually. They started fairly well. They could they have did. been a goal up. 
Um, Sterling was slightly highly, harshly criticised for the first touch that took him beyond Reese James. I thought it was actually really quite a good first touch, but James, James recovered well. City could have been 2-1 up in the first 15-20. And I think with City, this was, wasn't an arrogance. Because they've had it so much their own way this season, when they couldn't get their passing rhythm, I think there was a frustration of like, why isn't this working? And they maybe started forcing it. And they started forcing it. And Chelsea were absolutely ready for that. Um, you know, Chelsea for me was supremely, it was funny because you said you hadn't seen Chelsea this good in a while. Scary only, good, like in terms of like having that yeah. scary aura, I haven't seen the it The only time I've seen them that, and the comparison I drew, the only other time I've seen them that good was the first half against Real. Um, but obviously Real were not as good a team as City. They're not as good a team. So actually you're, you're totally right in terms of the quality that Chelsea brought. Uh, Werner, he had them absolutely terrified down the flanks. He's been, he's, he's been, a, he's been, presence. he has been, right. Timo Werner is a curious one because he gets so much shit online mm. and yeah, his, his XG, his goals to XG this season is way down compared to what it has been previously. I think only once in the last four or five years, he's dropped below or he scored fewer than his XG, which, mm. uh, and that was like, I think he had 13 and a half XG one season. He scored 13. So it's, you're talking half. Yeah. But he's always outperformed it. And this season, he's obviously struggled in terms of goal scoring. Yeah, yeah. But I was just like, he's played under two managers in a new country for a new club during a pandemic. It's just like, <laughs> let the kid like settle in. And he's been crucial. He's been crucial. You know, it's yeah. funny as well and about this. he's also a big yeah. confidence player. It's the thing about Timo Verde. He's a very, he's quite a sensitive dude. And I think he's quite a sensitive player in terms of like, yeah. he really needs to build confidence. He's not like a, a kind of chest beating alpha kind of guy. And you see that there was a moment where I thought, well, to be honest, the first half I thought actually highlighted why he has been so good for Chelsea, despite not being able to score goals in the fact that if a, well, the first, the first chance he miss hits, he missed times. Yeah. yeah. It happens. We see every fucking striker in the world do that. Mm. Um, the second one where he takes the ball, I think it's off Kai Havertz, or no, it's off Mason Mount, and he's it, the ball's kind of stuck under his feet slightly, a little slightly bit, under, and he's slightly off feet. balance. Yeah, that's really feet. difficult at speed to, to put is. away anyway. Yeah. Um. Then he hits that left foot one just wide into side netting, which I, I think it's Diaz is scrambling for him, and he just can't get near him. But then. When a, when a striker has missed chances like that, you tend to see them get a little bit hero ball and they're mm. like, I have to make up for it. I have to make up for it. He, got, he does the opposite, actually. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on my off-ball runs. I'm still yeah, going to do all this work wide. for the team. Exactly. And exactly. he worked so hard. Like Even before he had any chances in the first half, right, really early on, he was pulling out to the right flank and he... And he got in behind a couple of times and absolutely yeah, like he did. He did. torched them. Zinchenko. Yeah. And Zinchenko never fully recovered from that. Well, actually, I kind of disagree because I think Zinchenko was probably one of City's best players on the night. I think he, I was, I was thinking all the way through the game that he's such a massively underappreciated part of that side, actually. Oh, I don't, I don't, mm, I, I think weirdly enough, I disagree. I feel like given what he's produced previously, I thought he was a bit subdued, actually, funny enough. Uh, well, I think he, I think he looked like he was trying to do three or four jobs. Yeah, right. That's fair. That's that's completely fair. I think he was pretty steady. He's just not a player that a lot of people notice because but he I think is 
He's super reliable. I love, I love, I think he's brilliant. I yeah. think he's brilliant. But yeah. anyway, with, yeah. with, with Werner, um, a lot of strikers would, would go through those, like miss those chances and then mm. really just be focusing on like getting one away. Mm. And if he, I, I actually screenshotted it when I was watching it back this morning. Werner's movement for the to create space for the takes three the goal. players away from the ball, not fully, but it, basically he pulls out to the left hand side and he's got Diaz on his shoulder. Yeah, Stones is already in front of him next to Walker, so I think he's noticed that positioning and he's pulled out. Obviously, Gundogan when Mount's got the ball just inside the half, Gundogan's yes. only just past the halfway line. Yes, and Werner's made that run inside, uh, and Harvest has made that run inside Sinchenko. Yeah. Werner knows he's not getting the ball there. And the thing that um, I used to say when I was co- when I was coaching, coaching the kids, and even when I was playing still, was like, the most important runs are the runs that, of players that don't get the ball. Yes, agreed. Yeah, The ball was amazing from Mount, but Mount is so good that if you give a player that good, that much space... He'll find him. Yeah. It's easy. Mount will, Mount will play that pass 100 times out of 100 and nail it because actually... It's one of those passes. It looks great and it is a great pass for, an, for a player of Mount's ability. It's not that difficult. It's light work, yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things that we see on TV and looks unbelievable, but actually for them, it's a really simple execution. Mount, if you ask Mount or Harvards about that goal, they'll be like, Timo's, Timo's run. And Mount will know because Mount will see it out of the corner of his eye. And it might only be a split second, but the attention of Werner from those three defenders, even if they end up running towards the ball, the fact that they've checked a split second to see who's got him because they've seen him running that way. They know how dangerous he is. When, and, they, and they've seen how dangerous he is. It's done. In, it's, it's all I, done. Love, I love that you mentioned this because, um, you know, we always, I've, I've mentioned a thousand times the Henri run mm. and Pires against Leverkusen. When Henri basically runs for 70 yards and they don't know who to track, so he draws two men and then Pires basically walks up the field and slots in the corner. Mm. And look, I've always, my thing with Werner has always been I like him as a wide player and I like Harvard's more central. But the thing about this, of course, is that Tuchel knows that like Harvard's needs to be on the ball as much as possible because his, his build-up plays, link-up plays amazing. But Tuchel has completely solved the problem of how do you have a player who needs to be on the ball as often as possible but ends up in the nine spot. And so you could almost categorize this as like Werner is in to out and Harvard's is out to in. Because we saw this actually in the semi-final as well when I think Harvest hits the bar, I think, and Werner scores the follow-up. Mm-hmm. And it's the same kind of thing where you've got them like, <laughs> it's the golden rule of attacking players get out of each other's way mm-hmm. in the best possible way. And they never occupy the same space. What I really like about them, they're very generous. Harvest and- um, There's a chemistry between those three. I yeah, think. yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a real generosity of, of movement, which I really love. And there's a fluidity to this Chelsea team. There's a combination to the play that I really, really enjoy. Mm. Like I really, really enjoy. And I think, and I, I said this too, I think David Priest, David Priest was talking about um, the decision-making, the coaching. And I was like, if Chelsea have high, vo- high volume goal scoring, then you'll see just how good they are. I don't think it's fully clear yet because they haven't yet started unloading on teams. But I think when that no. comes, which it will, when that comes next year, people are going to be like, oh no, they are legit. Yeah. Like, they are. I want to yeah. I, I point out something as well. It's like, this isn't, I'm not like a, Timo Werner apologist or Megastan or anything like that. I just think that I've seen, you know, seen him play for Leipzig and seen his early days really when he was coming through at Stuttgart. Mm. Seeing the teams that he plays best in, I don't think that he's really ever played in a Chelsea side that's massively been set up for him properly. I also think that the goals will come 
I really do. I think, I think, and if they don't at Chelsea, then they'll, they will do somewhere else. But I don't think this is, this is Timo Werner's like goal scoring level for the rest of his career. Far from it. There was just a lot of talk and I actually tweeted this. There was a lot of talk about Tuchel. There was a lot of talk. Like I saw some stuff after the cup final, which was questioning Tuchel's mentality, questioning. And this is, you think of like where Chelsea were and where they are now. Yeah. Things are a process. People need time. You can't just flick a switch and everything works in football. But players need time as well. Like Kai Havertz, there was some wild talk about Kai Havertz as well. And there was some, there's been some wild talk about Werner. And the thing is, it's just like, I think you, Havertz especially is like the, the next young German golden boy. He was already captain at Bayer Leverkusen before he moved. Yeah. He's obviously Chelsea's most expensive player ever. That's a lot of pressure to put on a pretty low key, you know, Havertz adopted a donkey. You know, he's like, <laughs> he's a, he's, he's a very, you know, Julian Brandt used to drive him to training and all this kind of stuff. Like, these are young dudes. Yeah, I mean, Timo Werner's in his mid-20s now, but like still, they're young dudes who have moved country for the first time away from everything that they know in a pandemic. And I know that some people who have very kindly tweeted me about how boring this big picture bullshit is for them. Fine. But it's relevant, whether Fine. you like it or like, not, it's relevant. And, and, and yeah, I, don't it's relevant. To, I don't want to get snappy here, but it's like... It's relevant though. Yeah, everyone's been through it, but it doesn't mean that they're immune to it. It doesn't mean that just because everyone has been through it, that everyone reacts the same way. These people aren't robots, Musa. Yeah. Could they have performed better at points this season? Yeah, absolutely. But who the fuck hasn't had a drop in form this season? Everything takes time. From where they were when he took over, if you told Chelsea fans, you're going to be fourth and you're going to get a Champions League. Ecstatic. How many of that, how many Chelsea fans would believe would believe you though. When in January, when you look at where they were, what were they three points ahead of Arsenal? They looked unbalanced. They looked unbalanced. They like, didn't look like they squad. really knew what they were doing. They didn't and they didn't. And you know, one thing I I, I was surprised by and I was suppose I got wrong. I thought Callum Hudson Odoi would have more of a role. And I think Tuchel did too, considering he how tried. he used him early on. I think I, I think yeah, I think I think, you know, to be fair to Tuchel, Tuchel looked to him and was like, there is a player I can really use ah, no, he's not giving me what I need. And now the beauty of this victory for Tuchel is it validates his approach because he won. There was no fluke in this. This was a thoroughly thought out, constructed victory where you see him actively, you know, because he came into that squad to, to work that squad half through the season, you really saw his thought process playing out in real time because Tuchel is so open about what he's doing. It's very rare. It's, it's almost like those ones where it's like at university, when at medical school, where you're allowed to observe the surgeon. It's like that. Tuchel is very open about the process. Mm-hmm. And I'm just really delighted for him. Me too. I'm really delighted that he's come in to an environment that's frankly is a hostile, critical environment where a lot of people were big fans of the person that he replaced. And almost, you know, you know Frank Lampard did a lot of good things, you said, in relation to playing the young players. But, and it's not, it's not Lampard's fault, but the coverage of Tuchel's appointment was extremely parochial. I'm just so excited for Tuchel. I'm so happy for him because it's a huge weight off him. Mm-hmm. To come in your first season, win a Champions League, that takes away the whole, oh, what's his role culminating towards? It's like Mbappe winning the World Cup so early. Mbappe now can just live free and play free and do his thing. Havertz, most expensive player. Oh, oh, is he worth it? He scored a Champions League winner. Did you see this the beauty of interview, it. Des Kelly after the game was just like... Um, Kai, you're like the most expensive Chelsea player. He's just like, I don't fucking care. We just won the fucking Champions League. 
<laughs> and like someone else uh, was asking Timo Werner a question about something. I, I can't remember what he said exactly, but Timo Werner just, it was really loud. And Timo Werner just went, I'm really sorry. I don't understand the question, but we just won the Champions League. And you know what I, love I don't want to answer yeah. like questions like this. Sorry, next question. But good, but this is what I love about it. Yeah. You see how big the Champions League is to them. It's, the it's absolutely, it's the one, it's the one. And again, another, another example of why the Super League was such a bad idea. Oh, awful, awful. When you see what it means to the players, when you see what it meant to, you know, obviously in a tragic way, what it meant to Aguero, De Bruyne, who had to mm -hmm. go off early with an awful injury, to Thiago Silva, when you see what it means to them to compete on that stage, even though they've been without fans in the, gr in the grounds for most of the season, there's no asterisk alongside this for these players. You win in an empty stadium or a full stadium, it's still the Champions League. And to be honest, as a spectacle, like I say, one of my favourite finals in recent years. It was, I, it was, I, I, enjoyed, I really, really enjoyed this game. I think I said, I dropped in the WhatsApp because yeah. like, I'm, I'm loving this game. Yeah. I'm loving it. Like the individual contests, the tactical contests. And the quality the thinking, though, the quality the of quality, it. I think it was just, quality. it was the great thing about this kind of like mini series that we've had of, of Chelsea City is that it has kind of felt a little bit like a playoffs, but like spread, it really spread has. out. It has. Because someone did that. Someone joked, someone joked and someone said, are we going to see, sorry, I'm no, go rude, Karen. Someone said, are we going to see a kind of like Stadio breakdown or like 10 years since they played three times in like six weeks? Yeah, and we were a bit like, oh, that's a bit different to playing four times in eleven, uh, four times in eighteen days. But is it though? Is it <laughs> now? I'm like, but now actually, mm, now I've had a taste. I'm gonna be very smug about this as well because I I tweeted after. What did you tweet after Chelsea won in the <laughs> Premier League the yeah. two one? I said this is really important psychologically for Chelsea. Mm. This is a thing now, and people are like, oh no, look, they changed it. I said no, you don't understand the momentum of this to win two on the bounce. That to win two on the bounce mm. now against different teams, you know, the team that Pep put out were not clowns in that second game. Mm. He did shuffle the pack, but it's still two Chelsea wins and you saw the frustration on Pep's face. And, you know, I know these small moments make a difference, but the Aguero Penenka is interesting because if City win that, does Pep keep the same approach? Who knows? Like, because this is the thing, and I say, one thing I will say about City's tactics, and I will say this very quickly, I said this to like Callum Jacobs, shout out to editor of Caracom, yeah, yeah. Callum Jacobs. Big man. He said, they made these big changes and um, Callum's like, I hope they don't backfire. And I said, but I respect it. I respect the change because Pep knows he has to change something. He's not sure what, but he knows he has to change something because he's thrown everything at, at um, Chelsea before in different contexts. You know, the second team he tried in the Premier League, he wasn't trying to mail in. I think he was trying something different. Yep, I agree. To see what would work, right? And he tried two completely different things and it didn't work. He's got to try something else. And here's the thing. Pep knows that he's damned if he doesn't change anything because everyone's going to say, do that in the semi, it didn't work. Premier League didn't work. So he's gone for something different. And as you said in your thread, which is great, you basically said he has to lean fully into it. Yeah, well, this is what I said. I said that if you're going to, I actually think the overthinking thing is a bit of a, it's a bit of a smokescreen. Mm. I was talking to my dad about this. My dad, uh, happy birthday, dad. It was, oh, it was his birthday over the weekend. Yeah. We had a Champions League debrief as well. I got, I got the full dad Champions League debrief. <laughs> I was saying to dad that like, Pep's actually quite pragmatic. Mm. quite a pragmatic ca uh, coach and he can actually be quite conservative if you look yes. at the way that he wants to change stuff what I was saying in the thread was that like if you were going to overthink this which I hate the overthink thing anyway let's say change because I hate that like oh, overthink mm. if Pep was going to change something he should have like turbo curveballed it 
Yeah. I think Tuckle would have looked at that, those team sheets that have come out and been like, we've got them. Yeah. There are two types, I think, of lineup drop for opposition managers. Tuckle would have looked at the team sheets when they come out and been like, oh, cool. What Pep, I think, should have done was drop a lineup that made Tuckle go, oh, shit. Yeah. Because we've not, we don't know what's coming now. And he thought really hard about what that lineup would be. That's the thing. He thought really hard about what it would be. Yep. He really tried. I don't think it would have been the wildest thing in the world. And it actually would have been mega, mega, mega fun to see, to see Pep go through at the back. As a pure neutral, it would have just been like toe to toe. Pep's trying something. Toe to toe, yeah. I think the tactical shift that he made, the net gain on it, I think was negative. Also, can I be honest with you as well? You can't feel bad about suggesting a tactical change to Pep. Do you know why? Because he will have envisaged it. Yeah. There is a diagram somewhere, oh, yeah, which Pep course, spent yeah. an hour on. Mm-hmm. He spent, would have spent two hours on a diagram thinking about a three at the back mm-hmm. and thinking about matching up and going toe-to-toe. He did it actually in the 2015 semi-final, mm-hmm. first leg, when Bayern play Barca and they've got this incredible front three. And what does Pep do? He goes three at the back and they go toe-to-toe and, they, they, and it's, it's terrifying because it's, like it's a high-wire act, but it allows Bayern to get higher up the pitch. Mm-hmm. And the game is absolutely brilliant and it's only you know, everyone goes oh yeah but Barca like Barca thrashed by and, mm, no Leo Messi happened it's different Leo Messi happened with 13 minutes to go and this went supernova because he had to because the only thing Barca had was like Leo we really need you at this point mm. oh yeah but no can you put your cape on Leo because Bayern are playing really well <laughs> that's one of the best Bayern teams I've seen ever and it's funny because yeah they didn't and then yeah they, they were they were incredible they were they never were in incredible. a Champions League final yeah. they were incredible so I think sometimes the challenge for Pep next year is not to draw the wrong conclusion from an adverse outcome. I think that's the only challenge he's got. And the thing about City is, they're City, they'll be back. Well, this is the thing I also want to they'll clarify, be, is just that like, Pep is a genius and that didn't change because of the Champions League final. And it won't change. Like Anyone who, anyone who comes out and says Pep is a fraud or Pep is useless or this, that and the other, I just think... The thing that's, like, I think I was talking to someone, someone said it was like criminal from Pep. I was just like, no, it wasn't. Geniuses get it wrong sometimes. Yeah. The only thing that I said was, it's like, I have no problem with Pep changing anything for, for things like this. I think the two options for me personally would have been stick to what you know and stick to what's, what won you the league or that has got you deep in the Champions League, passing teams to death until they basically can't take it anymore. Right. You either lean into that because it's like, we are so good at this. We will, we will beat anyone playing this way. Or if you're worried about Chelsea beating you again, then you really lean into the curveball and you hit him with something that like, you know, hit him with the he, go Missy Elliott. Yeah. Was- <laughs> if you're going to make a tactical shift like that, I think in a Champions League final, you want the opposition manager, like I said before, to go, oh shit. Okay. I don't know what's happening here. But Pep blinked, City blinked, and I think that Chelsea, because of that, as soon as the lineup drops, I think Chelsea had a psychological advantage going into that game. Or it was a psychological boost. Yeah. But just to clarify again, because I know that there will be loads of podcasts this week that will be going after Pep. The guy's a genius. He will always he will he will always be a genius. And this is the thing, you have two absolute elite coaches. Like these two are two of the best coaches in the men's game. Yeah. Two of the most brilliant minds in men's football in the whole world and they're in the Champions League final and they've played twice domestically talking about like the, the levels so small. the so levels small. it's like if someone make, makes a mistake you're not talking about like a Sunday league guy Bayern are all conquering last year 
But if Mbappe converts that one chance, Done. it's a different story. Yeah. It's a different story. And, and it's the next and level. Those minds, you know, Klopp, Guardiola, Tuchel is basically Federer, Nadal, Djokovic in terms of the quality and the, the, in terms of the margins and how brilliant those minds are and those people are. It's such small, th- this is, we're, we're so fortunate to have coaches of this quality oh, man. in one division. It's unbelievable. The coaches. Because you see, we said this before, we said it before, it's a coaches league, right? And that's before we had Tuchel in there. It's absolutely, the Premier League next year, I know, inject it, it's going to be, and they've got Thomas Frank coming in as well. I mean, oh inject, God. That's oh my God, so inject all of it. It's absolutely amazing. And um, before we go, a couple of individual performances. Agoda Kante was absolutely extraordinary. He was Good extraordinary. Um, he was unbelievable. Having said that, I don't want the performance of Reese James to be lost in this. Can I? He was my man of the match. I thought he was extraordinary because... Reese James was my man of the match. I, I think he, I would agree with that because I, he set the tone for me very, very early on. I mean, maybe a split with Kante if I was... If I was I'm flip-flopping between a split with Kante, but I think Reece when James, I saw people saying that Kante was man of the match by a long way, I was like, "Are we watching the same game?" I mean, before? he was brilliant, though. This is he, was a, he, was he was absolutely ex- brilliant. But I think that what Reese James did was so integral to shutting down the City attack. It was extraordinary, and the knock-on effect that that had. You know how we've always talked about like the, the knock-on effect of like positive partnerships within the pitch. Yeah, of course. Breaking that link in the chain, yes, from an attacking sense for for, for City was crucial and that allowed Chilwell to get higher up the pitch on the other side where they did what Bingo. they did two or three test runs before the goal yeah that's what made it and it makes you it makes it makes the person ahead of you braver if you know that your person's covering the flank mm-hmm. the Chelsea right flank is an absolute bolt hole as Piliqueta quietly just bossing it coming over sorting out everything you know those machines what are those machines called that, um, in the ice hockey rinks that just like smooth out the ice <laughs> Some brony was over. Those things, he's like, he's one of those, he's one of those machines that just smooths out the ice. Wow. Did to me. Okay. <laughs> and um, yeah, so James and Kante for me were, there wasn't much between them for man of the match. And that is not to disrespect anyone like Mount, who was brilliant. Brilliant. And Harvard's it's, and, and Harvard's was wonderful, the movement. But again, like on the flip side of that, from for City fans who are, I know this will be really hard to listen to probably, or actually they probably won't be listening to any podcast this weekend. I don't blame them. Yeah. This side is still a really, really, a really great football team. And we've seen that in the league this season. One result doesn't change that. No, yeah. one result doesn't change that at all don't have any real fear for City because that core, and I know De Bruyne is up, he's at 29 now, but that's still fairly young. The way that De Bruyne plays, his style of play, it doesn't put miles on the clock that easily, mm. right? I hope he's okay, by um, the way. He got a, fra- a couple of fractures, I think one to the nose, one to the... Yeah, do you know what? I, I felt for him, not so much physically, but emotionally, like that, what that did to him was devastating. Oh, this was yeah, he looked, a huge yeah. game for him. Yeah. And he was so determined to do well. He was so keen to do well and make a big thing of it. And it, I actually felt, I don't know if I felt, I haven't felt as gutted for a player with him. I have no sort of connection. I don't support City. I don't, but just on a human level, as someone who's basically set the tone for midfield play, he's redefined midfield play in the Premier League. If you'd said that he, when, when he arrived in the Premier League, that guy's going to redefine midfield play in the Premier League, you, you would have thought they were referring to David Silva. So no, we mean the other guy. But De Bruyne has changed the game. So I did feel really sad for him. And I suppose for that reason alone, I want them to bounce back next year and do something exciting. I mean, I'm sure they'll be fine. Which is probably sacrilege from a United fan yeah, to say that, but I, I do mean that. I, I do mean that. Yeah, I um, weird. 
commiserations, City fans, but we hope, yep. you know, that was an amazing league title this season and that side is, I think, one of one of Pep's best teams we've seen. Yeah. And um, just couldn't get it over the line. Chelsea fans, no. congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Can I say to Chelsea fans, I hope some of you are going to be in Porto a few days longer, obviously celebrate responsibly, but it's a gorgeous town. But yeah, congratulations, Chelsea. Superb victory. Congratulations to Tuchel. Congratulations to the German contingent, obviously. Having been here this long ride, we've now become <laughs> German patriots. We did it. We did it. <laughs> Jawohl. Jawohl. Exactly. <laughs> so, wir haben es geschafft. Wir haben es geschafft. Should we bounce? I think we're good. Let's bounce. We will be back on Thursday and uh, we'll fill you in with what's going on in the summer. Yeah, Wrighty's House will go up Wednesday morning. Moose and I will be on with Wrighty to talk about the final England squad and probably chat a little bit more about the Champions League, I imagine. So yeah, until then, hope everyone's staying safe. Well, don't forget to check the ringer.com forward slash soccer for all of your footballing slash soccer needs on the ringer. Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify if you want all the music stuff. Speaking of which, we're playing out on Freddie Chavez. They'll never know why. Anything you want to add, Musa, before we get out of here? No, I'm good. I'm really good, actually. <laughs> I'm not pushing any narratives, though. I'm not pushing anything now. I'm just, I'm just all about good vibes. Just good vibes. All right, let's bounce. Uh, take care, everyone. Much love, and we'll be back on Thursday. Bye.